Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? <sighs> nervous, nervous. Day two of day two of the LSU week, day three. I guess Sunday would be day one. Monday was day two. Now Tuesday, day three. Barely hanging in there. Uh, this is it. This is the whole shooting match. Uh, it's a big one. Nerd. Are you as nervous as Michael Divinity taking a drug test? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's why, a would joke, he be ner- why would he be nervous about that? He knows the outcome. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, for those who don't know, there's so much news out there. I mean, it's going to be hard to Crazy even day. get to all of it in this podcast. But um, so, yeah, that one of LSU's star defenders um, he either left the team or was removed from the team, whichever way you want to go with it. And um also the the rumor is it was due to some type of drug test which i don't you know i frankly i haven't studied up on that very much i just know he's not going to play saturday so i guess that's all that matters um and i think that that's uh that's a positive thing for alabama but you know i hate 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 when guys who are key elements to teams can't play because of really dumb reasons and or or reasons beyond their control in, in his case it sounds like something that was that was on the dumb side but something like a Dylan Moses missing obviously is something I don't like either so I'd prefer everybody be at a hundred percent right and uh you know I feel for the kid if he if he has you know issues that he's that he's battling that's uh that's unfortunately tell you for those unfamiliar with uh, with all of LSU's uh lineup uh Divinity was a really good player um I'm not saying his skill set is like Anthony Jennings. Like he's not exactly like Anthony. I'm just saying he's as good as Anthony. Like where you would project him to go in the draft. How impactful is he on the field? How good is this guy? I think Anthony's a really good comparison. And what we'll be saying at Alabama if we found out that Anthony couldn't play this Saturday, we'd be freaking out. So, so it, it, th- that's how big a loss it is. For them now, of course, they recruit exceptionally well. They basically shit out another player, just like we do. To quote Nick, uh, <laughs> to quote Nick, and saying what we don't do, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you know they'll, they'll 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 put another good athlete on the field because it's LSU. It's not Ole Miss that has no depth. It's LSU, and they have they have dudes. So, but it is a blow. Like I said, uh, that's why I compared him to Anthony because uh, I think it's a, it would be a similar loss. So uh, that is going to affect the game, no question. Uh, here here's one thing that. That sort of uh, frightens me. I was lo- I was looking at the box scores in, in their game against Florida and their game against Auburn. I'm looking. I was looking for who have they played that's similar to us. The good news is they haven't really played anyone similar to us, or in my opinion, anyone as good as us. But I will I will give this to Florida and Auburn. Defensively, Florida and Auburn are very similar to Alabama. Defensively, the numbers say that Alabama, Florida, and Auburn basically have equivalent defenses. You can you can argue about this or that or picket nits or whatever, but Florida and Auburn defensively are comparable to Alabama one way or the other. And, and the fact is, Burrow threw for over 300 yards against both, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire rushed for over 100 yards against both. Uh, based on that, we are being uh, narcissistic to assume that 
that he won't put up similar numbers against us because he did it against similar competition now twice. Um, so that's a little scary because 300 yards passing and 100 yards from your primary back to me, to me that says you're scoring in the 30s period. That, that's what it says to me now. Of course, they only scored 23 against Auburn with that, and, and that's just kind of the way that game played out. And you can hold teams uh, to the low 20s that have that kind of production. You just have to make stops at key times and maybe get a couple of turnovers, uh, which are all things that are very possible. Only point is LSU's offensive production is very likely to continue even against Alabama. Now, now also looking at those box scores, the fact is Florida and to some extent Auburn their offenses had some success against LSU, and Alabama's offense is way better than Auburn's, and it's better than Florida's, no, no doubt. Uh, Florida's wide receivers are pretty good, but Tua is, you know, five times better than Trask, being honest. I mean, he's just five times better. So uh, I, I think the best offense LSU has played all year was Texas, three-loss Texas. That's probably the best offense they played, and Texas scored like 38 points. So – I think everything in this game points to it being high scoring relatively. I don't think it's going to be 50 to 45. I expect both teams, Luke, to score in the 30s. Uh, LSU has given up 30 points to the best offense it's played. LSU throws for 300 and rushes for 100 against the best defenses they've played. To me, everything points to both teams in the 30s. Yeah, I can certainly see that. In fact, I can see more points than that. But the one caveat to the what you mentioned about Auburn and Florida and LSU is both of those games were played in Baton Rouge, which I think certainly makes a difference. This is going yeah. to be an electric, incredibly wild atmosphere. There's going to be all kind of lots and presidents and everything else in the world there that is going to make this um, just a, a, a nerve-wracking wow. contest from the start. In fact – there's a, a tweet which I retweeted through the Locked On Bama uh, tweeter sphere, and this is all who's going to be there that we know of so far. College Game Day, SEC Nation, the CBS pregame show apparently, the the game on CBS, and President Trump, and then about a gazillion recruits, not the least of which uh, it, I found out today. I say I found out like I did some <laughs> saw it on Twitter and websites like everybody else. Um, young. So hopefully our Pied Piper of this recruiting class will be in Tuscaloosa again for this game. So it's going to be just a scene, man. I I don't know what else to say about it. It's so incredibly riveting just to even think about kicking off. And then when you factor in that President Trump will be there, uh, forget the politics of it. Just the mere fact that the president will be there is huge in its own right because I was at the national championship game a couple of years ago when he also went and it did make it practically impossible to get in the gate. I mean, it was, it really held everything up by about an hour. And if you're trying to get into a stadium holding something up by an hour and especially in the rain, it was rainy and cold that day. Um, it sort of made things suck a little bit. So I hope that everybody's more prepared for his arrival this time. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, I'll leave the politics of it alone because we're a sports show. I won't get into politics. I'll just say, I mean, who's the greatest president of all time? Maybe maybe if Abraham Lincoln is everyone's most popular president of all time, I, I would be mad if Lincoln was coming. As scary as it would be because he's been dead since 1865 or something, but <laughs> I, I would be like pissed. Like, 
I mean, and because like you said, it's it's, it's going to slow up getting in. Uh, now, now, what time do you leave your tailgate? Uh, what's the traffic situation going to be like? Uh, yeah. it, it just creates such a logistical nightmare that to me, as cool as it is, and again, politics aside, don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, doesn't matter. It, it, you know, there is a coolness in, you, you know, that the president of the United States is going to be there at, at Alabama on Alabama's campus to an Alabama football game. That's cool. But to me, the entire coolness of it is wiped out by the logistical nightmare for the fans in terms of yeah. getting into the it would stadium be much and what time you got to arrive and everything. It'd be much cooler and much more efficient if he just hovered above us. You know, like if he were in a helicopter with a glass bottom and he just yeah. hovered above the stadium and like didn't, you know, maybe even so far that like you couldn't hear the blades or anything, but so that he could kind of watch it and kind of say that he was there because it's not going to be even just getting him getting in the stadium. It's going to be also getting out of the stadium will probably be a thing because he's there. So um, it's good. And getting out of Tuscaloosa is going to be a whole nother animal. So yeah, that's going to be something for sure. It's a All scene. Right, Jimmy, it let's, be a scene, man. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the recruits that are visiting. I already brought up Bryce young. Um, that is the biggest news, obviously. And man, I, I, I got to say that watching USC lose to Oregon on Saturday night bothered me just a bit because um, I, I was thinking I just, you know, if they hire Urban Meyer, like a lot of people believe they will, which I am i don't know. Um, if that were to happen and he were to put in some feelers to Bryce Young, I just hope he wouldn't listen to any of those overtures is, is my only thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm very confident about our position with Bryce Young, and and the only thing that 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 scares you to death is that. I mean, it's it's realistic to be concerned about it. I assure you, our staff is concerned about it, just because they stay more concerned than we do about everything, including stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's a concern uh, if USC uh, fires Helton and hires a new guy, and it's some splashy hire like a uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, it's easy to imagine who his first phone call is going to be to. And uh, Urban has a long history of, uh, of, of, of big-time quarterbacks leading his program. So uh, let's hope that this, this trip this weekend, uh, Bryce falls in love with Alabama even more. And how big for, for Alabama to get the guy on campus. Let me tell you, the, the players are such important recruiters that they really serve in that role. I mean, the, the peer pressure is not something that died off 100 years ago. It's still there today. And, and, and your peers uh, impact, impact you a lot. And it's not just wide receivers that want to play with the great quarterback. It's everybody. So, so Bryce Young being on campus in that recruiting room that will be full. What would I read? Something like seven five-stars from the junior class will be there. Um, so and, and just having Bryce Young and his magnetic personality, uh, such a coup for Alabama. So it's a, it's a huge recruiting weekend. It's crazy. I mean – in some ways, I know we've all said this isn't like the game of the century, and Cecil Hurt wrote a really good opinion piece about that. It's not the game of the century from 2011 in terms of the ramifications. It's close, but it's not yet. I think because of that game of the century atmosphere, that's why we have things like the president and game day and SEC Nation and the CBS pregame show and probably the most unbelievable group of recruits who've ever had on campus at once 
you know, you know, and whew, it is going to be something else. I'm expecting a flyover from the damn space shuttle. Yeah, it, it, it cool, could happen. That yeah, that would be. That would cool, be. That would be. What if they parachuted from it? That would be even Patent. cooler. That, that would take a while. Too, so Pat, that was my idea too. So patent pending. Patent pending. Um, but I think Zach Evans is supposed to be back in town, the fabulous running back out of Texas, who a lot of people think it may come down to Alabama and LSU. Darnell Washington, the oh, tight yeah. end from out out in Vegas way, um, who got in a bit of a kerfuffle with a coach, it sounds like, in one of his games recently. But I think that all is forgiven at this point. And now with um, Gilbert, the other tight end out of Marietta, committed to LSU, I'd I'd suspect Alabama puts all its cards on the table for, or all its chips in the middle, or whatever metaphor you want to use for Washington, I would assume. Um, and, you know, frankly, I've just seen name after name after name of guys coming into town. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. It's almost to the point where, like, I would hate to be handling the recruits this weekend in terms of making sure everybody's mama and daddy and brother has a seat because. It's going to be a tough ticket. Imagine, if you will, the job this week that someone like, just to name one name, Ellis Ponder, the director of football operations for Alabama, whose job it is, he is in charge of every facet of Alabama football that <clears throat> does not include what happens on the field. What happens on the field has, is none of him, the recruiting, the coaching, the practicing inside the ropes uh, the game itself inside, you know, between, between the, the, the sidelines that that's not him, but he's in charge of everything else. I, I, I can't imagine he's getting more than two or three hours of sleep this week with all, with all that stuff going on. Uh, and just to one horn, but it's really not my horn. I guess it's somebody else's horn. I probably shouldn't put it that way. Uh, Caleb Brooks, who's on our AHSA radio network team, he does a good job of going around the state and getting interviews with a lot of the high school prospects. I mean, obviously in football, but but in all sports. And today he got an interview with Quindarius Robinson from Jackson Olin. And it's I've, it's been reaching Bama Twitter page again. So go check that out and uh, a good interview. And Caleb does a great job with that. Um, so let's talk about Tua for a second. Tua was back on the practice field today. And um, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I, the video that I saw, and it's not like uh, the Zapruder film. Is that is that how I say that? Zapruder film? Is that I think you got it. Right? I think you nailed it. Okay. And what a weird, um, what a, what a weird reference uh, the week that the president's coming to the Alabama game. Oh God, that is weird. Oh geez. I'm, I'm about to be investigated and wrap that up. I'll see y'all in three weeks. They're going to take the star off my driver's license and everything after I work so damn hard to get it on there. You know, that's, that's a funny story. Cause like four or five years ago, whenever they said everybody's got to get that little star on the driver's license, you know, to fly. And I fly all the time because I got three children in Ohio and for work or whatever. And um, so I went down to the driver's license office in Ellick city and, they said, yeah, okay, you don't have this paperwork. So I drove back to the office, drove back to the, okay, now you don't have this paperwork. I'm like, could y'all just tell me what all I need instead of me go keep going? <laughs> One at a time. So they finally, I finally got it, and they finally gave me the star and all this. Well, my mom was going to uh, New York, I guess, yesterday or something, and and she, they were like, look, you don't have the star on your thing. She goes, I know, I, I'm, you know, I still got time, right? They were like, yeah, but not much. 
And she was like, okay. And so she was sort of big boy in it and called dad. Like, I'm not getting that thing. And dad said, no problem. You'll just have to take your birth certificate and your passport with you at all times forever. No problem. You know, do what you want to do. You know, and she was like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like that. And frankly, I don't know if it is really going to be like that. I just thought it was funny that she was trying to puff her chest out a little bit and dad deflated her very, very quickly. Um, <laughs> I don't know why my parents' angst is hilarious to me, but it is. Uh, so what I was going to say about the Zapruder film and uh, Tua's performance on said film was that, frankly, Jimmy, I didn't think he looked that great. It worried really? me more. But but you and I are on a big text chain with some other friends of ours and to a man besides me, which I didn't even chime in because, because I, I like, didn't want to sound oh, stupid. Everyone's disagree- yeah. yeah, you didn't want to be the one guy that's like, I don't know, guys. I mean, people already think I argue with a rock. I didn't want to just be a text. So uh, I thought yeah, I thought, that he I, fine. I, I thought he looked fine on the tape, but I also got... I shared with you then and share them with the audience now. So I got a little, a little birdie, a little birdie whispered to me that, uh, that, that he, he looked pretty sharp. So I, I think in conjunction with that rumor and, uh, and the tape that I saw, I, I think two is fine. Now, when I say two is fine, there's anyone out there that expects that Tua physically is going to be 100% Saturday, you're just wrong. He's not going to be. He, he's not going to be 100% physically. But that really doesn't have a lot to do with how he's going to perform. Because even if he is, put any percentage on it you want, even if he's 76.4% physically, that doesn't mean that he won't throw for 350 yards. I mean, t- to me, it's not, you can, I mean, we've all not felt well and gone to work and done our jobs and some days did our jobs pretty well even when we didn't feel well football is no different to to it can be a little gimped up and still play great he can also do this Tua could go out there and feel a hundred percent and feel no effects whatsoever of what happened to his ankle and throw three interceptions so i think i think we're making a little too much of what percentage is he health-wise because unless he's seriously compromised, I don't think we should make any preordained judgments about how he's going to play. And to me, from the tape alone and rumors alone and Nick's comments alone, he won't be seriously compromised. He's going to be close to normal. And how, how well will he play? I mean, we'll, we'll, find, we'll find out. But I, I really don't think it's... It's going if he doesn't play well, I, I don't really believe it's going to be ankle related. I think it might be more like LSU's got some dudes on defense related, but but uh, I, I, I'm expecting Tua to play well. I think Tua and Burrow both will uh, will play well. And like we talked about on, on the show this week, if one of the two plays well and his team wins, welcome to the top of the Heisman board. By a long shot, frankly, and I guess I'm I'm literally watching the film. Um, it was tweeted out by Simone Eli, uh, and she says, "Here's to a and in practice." And I, I guess I could, if I wanted to be an eternal optimist, I could say, "Yeah, he's pushing off that right leg. His, you know, the plant leg. It's it's it seems to be um, good. It seems to be pretty good." I guess wh- what I can't 
get out of my sight and out of my mind is that when he he takes the snap, like the little faux snap, and then he starts to back up, there is definitely a hitch in the giddy up. And mm-hmm. just e- even something very small and minute like that in an offense on like ours based so much on timing, I, I just don't want to throw things off by a half right. of a click. And that's what I'm afraid of. And I'll tell you something else I noticed. He's got this big, long leg sleeve on and it makes me wonder you know do you put that leg sleeve on after you've used manscaped manscaped is the number one is number one in men's below the belt grooming get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com moving right along great product people <laughs> great product people great product well, Let's I, I, I need some applause for that one. I mean, come I bet on. Our women folk, I bet our women folk are more excited about this. I mean, maybe we should all take that a little more seriously. But, uh, okay. And uh, so, good product. <laughs> I, I think, I think that to us, uh, I think we, we should expect him to be in some level of apparat- apparatus. It's also Monday, it's not even Thursday. Uh, he's got four or five more days to get healthy. Could you tell from the tape, and, and maybe I, I couldn't make my screen large enough to tell, did you look like he was in cleats or tennis shoes? Definitely in cleats. I'm looking at it again good. right now. That's good. Well, I mean, That's I, say good. Def- I mean, I say definitely, but yeah, I mean, it, if the, he's wearing the same shoes as everybody else. Okay. That's good. And they That's all look good like because when when you have an ankle, I mean, here's here's something real, real, I mean, very little that I know about you know, treatment of injuries and athlete. But what I do know this, when the ankle is bad and you're on the practice field and your ankle is bad, they do two things that, you know, it's either wrapped like a mother and it's not, or you wear a tennis shoe, which makes your, your, your feet less likely to get tangled up in the, in the grass. And you wear a tennis shoe and, and you keep your feet way the hell away from everybody else who has on cleats. So you don't get stepped on in your, in your little tennis shoe. But if two is wearing cleats and his ankle's not wrapped, that's that's two good pieces of news. Yeah, he's in a sleeve type thing, but but he, you know he's got to be in something. And uh, we have a lot of space age technology, you know, that goes on. So I, I I think it's all pretty good news about Tua's ankle. But at the same time, no, he's not going to be a hundred percent. But again, as we just talked about, I'm not sure how relevant that is to how well he'll play, but. But those like, oh, we have the best doc. Two, two is gonna be a hundred percent. That's no, he won't. He he won't. He won't not feel this some way or another. I mean, it's going to affect him. It, that doesn't mean he can't play well, though. Yeah, I, I think you're. That's that's a very good point too. Um, I think it's also a, a good point that maybe this was on our text chain, and I think you even brought it up earlier in this podcast was. Uh, about uh, LSU put a lot of yards between the twenties against Auburn, yep. but they they didn't seem to be able to cash in a, a couple of key times. I think Auburn had two uh, goal line stands and one other fourth down stop in that game. Um, now look, I think Auburn's defensive line, and I mean I'm, uh, uh, this is an Alabama podcast, but their defensive line is better than ours. Derek Brown is, is. the he's probably the best defender in the SEC. Uh, Chase Young's the I best defender in the country, but but he's probably the best defender in the SEC, and he's very agree tough to that deal. their defensive line is better than Alabama's. True, true, no so, doubt, it's true. 
Now, I think that is true. I also would say even with our injuries, we're deeper than they are, and I think that defense got worn down a little bit. Now, those conditions were a little different too. If you remember, there was a complete deluge uh, the day before and maybe even the morning of that game, and the field looked horrible. So, you know, maybe that affected some of the way LSU played. I, I don't know. Maybe it lent, lent itself to being more of a defensive effort. But I think our DBs are better than Auburn's, and that's going to make a big. No, I difference. totally agree there. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, they, I they have they don't have anybody as good as um, number fifteen. I can promise you that. Yeah, this might be an overstatement, but God knows I'm king of those. But to me, our DBs are in two groups. I'm going to be bluntly honest here. We're, we're in two groups. We have our three first round picks, Diggs, Sertan, and McKinney, and then we have three guys who aren't first round picks. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and Carter maiden and the freshman jordan battle who may one day be in that top group but right now he's still a true freshman so we have our three unbelievable great guys and then carter maiden and battle um auburn's entire they're they're six guys they're four starters they're nickel and they're dime they're six guys they're all like carter maiden and battle they, they, they don't have a they're, they're all that level of player all of them they don't have mckinney Diggs, and sertan and it's going to make a huge difference for Alabama, uh, no doubt. But Auburn gets a better push out of that defensive line, better equipped to make those goal line stands because they're so good. And Derek Brown, again, as elite as it gets, and, and, and he's not the only dude they got. Davidson, Truesdale, uh, Miller. I mean, it's one after another. Big Cat Bryant. They're, they're good up front, no doubt about it. Co Nick Coe, I thought I think Nick Coe's great. I, for whatever reason, he's in the doghouse, but he's he's a huge human being. I can tell you that. Um, just a couple other tidbits as we close the show down, because obviously we're going to talk LSU all week long. We hope, we hope, we hope to have a crossover episode with the locked on. Uh, I guess locked on LSU. I don't know if it's locked on LSU or locked on Tigers because it it seems like it'd be locked on LSU, but I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, with their guy. Um, Later on this week, maybe that'll be Friday or something like that. That would be good. Um, a couple of things we do normally on the Tuesday show is we talk about how Bama guys performed in the NFL, and it was pretty much a banner day. Marlon Humphrey had another touchdown on a fumble return. Uh, Derrick Henry had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Mark Ingram had over 115 – he had like 115 yards or something like that rushing against the Patriots. And Dante Hightower had, I think, 13 tackles or, or more than that in the game. Uh, Rashawn Evans led his team in tackles for the Titans. Uh, who, oh, Josh Jacobs. God, that guy is just – listen, folks, go back and listen to last week's podcast I did with um, the representative from Locked On Raiders, and his name is – your boy Q, that's his name. That's all he'd tell me. But you can look in the archives, and they are just gushing about Josh Jacobs, and rightfully so. He had over 100 yards again with two touchdowns. And Lions, uh, just a, a – and Mika Fitzpatrick. Mika Fitzpatrick had a 96-yard interception return. And Kenyon Drake, the Drake man, he comes in cold from Miami to Arizona and kicks ass in the same facility where he kicked ass against Clemson a few years ago. Unbelievable stuff. You know what cracks me up about these trades? And I swear, I mean, I know I'm not smart. Anybody that listens to the show can, can, knows I'm not smart. I could have sworn there has been a rule or an axiom of football that says to learn the playbook. We've got to go through spring practice. We've got to go through fall camp. 
We've got to, we've got to attend a thousand meetings. Then there's these in-season NFL trades, and a guy gets traded on a Monday and four days later plays for an entire new team and plays in the games. You can learn enough in four days to play in the games. And I'm like, what's all this crap we've heard all our lives about that it takes an entire year to learn the playbook? These dudes learn it in four days. Why do they do all that practicing? Well, here's here's my thing, Jimmy. I think that the NFL is so mechanical and and so um, rigid in terms of how much they study other teams that when you throw a, a monkey wrench, uh, just a, a new kink into the into the machine here, it throws off everything they do. Like they, I'd be willing to bet, like everybody. Who did they? They played the 49ers, right? Like the 49ers were so geared on whoever else that the Cardinals could have handed it off to. Like they just weren't like you, you, you put Kenyon Drake in there, a shifty fast back from, you know, the other side of the country that your team doesn't play much. And all of a sudden it's like pouring water on your iPhone. I mean, it just sort of glitches. You're like, what the hell is this guy? We didn't, we don't know anything about this cat. And so I think that they just, weren't prepared for it. And they're, well, I, just, they're so no, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, Drake, Drake's been in Arizona for four days or five days, and they're like, get in there, Kenyon. And, and he's standing there, and, and the quarterback calls out, you know, blue 82, right, Y banana. And Kenyon's going, okay, what what the hell is that? I mean, I've been here four days, and y'all are – that, that that's just gibberish to me how did he learn all that in four days is kind of what i'm saying how do you learn the playbook in four days when all our lives we've been told that it takes months and weeks of studying the playbook and an entire spring practice and the otas and the mini camps and the full camps and then the all day practices in the fall hell apparently you can learn it in freaking you know 72 hours well, imagine how hard it had to be for him where in the Miami huddles, it was always like, okay, fumble on two, ready, break. I mean, it was, I'm going to throw an interception on this play, guys, and we're going to let them score because we're trying our damnedest to get the number one pick. Well, they did lose to the 49ers, so he still had that right. I mean, he put up the big numbers, but Kenyon's like, yay, we lost. We, 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 we lost. Isn't that great? I did right, right? We lost. <laughs> Yeah, Kenyon's in the – he's already, like, taping up the uh, the tarps in the locker room and got the champagne out going, we did it again, guys. We They're like, no, we're trying to win here. <laughs> but although, you know, the irony is the Dolphins won this weekend. They did. Yeah, they, they beat totally the screwed up. They did. You know, this is we, – we talked about this yesterday. Has there been any other movement on – who? do we know at all anything about the potential guest picker yet? It can't be. There's no way Trump's going to be the guest picker. Cecil Hart jokingly tweeted that out, and I think some people took it seriously. But there's no well, way, right? It I mean, might be. I mean, I, I would I – my question about it, again, will be logistics. How are they going to get him from here to there? How do they account for that big crowd? Is I mean, they can't have him just sitting up there on that stage in front of – 2,500 people that haven't all been checked by the bomb sniffing dog. So I, I, I don't know how that would work logistically. And then, you know, the game day that happens at 11, the game's not for three hours later. What the hell's Trump going to do in those three hours? I mean, I, I, I so I don't no know. <laughs> well, it's a lot of tweet, tweeting. will be tweeting up a storm. You know, they'll be, they'll be like, they'll show a picture of a, uh, of Tua on the big screen and the crowd will go nuts. And then Trump will start tweeting. They love me. 
that's that is exactly he he could photoshop himself on there and again we're not making this political i'm just uh, these are all everyone knows that that's true that he any pro-trump or anti-trump person knows that that's true i mean that's not that's not that's hardly controversial yeah if terrell owens loves me some me then there's then Trump takes that to <laughs> obsession. I mean, I trust Trump really loves him some him. There's no question about. Well, that. there's re- there's no doubt he picked Alabama LSU. I, I I don't think there was any discussion about. What do you guys think about maybe Stanford and Cal? I'll go to that one. <laughs> yeah, and I, no. I'll you know I'll no. do the coin flip for Stanford Cal. That's what I'll do like, for no, Vassar no. and <laughs> Vassar like, and you- Yale. That's I would Vassar exactly. at Harvard, I guess, would be better. Because I'm really in the mood to watch a couple of northern liberal arts schools play. No, <laughs> you're not going to that. We've got a big SEC game. Do that. Oh, God. Um, okay. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode. Here I will throw in this potential bonus nugget for anybody that's uh still with the podcast to be able to do this so i'm teasing you with something that may not actually happen which makes it a 100 tease but there is potential that brian passing the color commentator for the alabama crimson tide will be joining me in about 15 minutes and i'm going to try and sneak in about five minutes 10 minutes of a uh, alabama awesome. basketball talk as the uh, alabama will take on the pin quakers tomorrow night passing some buddy of mine and uh, he's obviously got a lot of things on his plate right now with um you know the situation with chris stewart which i'll bring up but you know, it, I'm going to try and get him on tonight and then tag it to the back end of this uh, this podcast, hopefully. So, But if it doesn't work out, then, you know, hey, things don't work out. And I'm sorry that I teased you, but you know what? That's that's kind of what I do. We'll, uh, we'll uh, have a podcast uh, out Wednesday where we'll uh, discuss the basketball game. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the first win of the Nate Oates era against a, a really solid – smart bunch from the Ivy League and uh didn't uh Avery Johnson's daughter went to Penn. Oh really? Yeah I think yeah, I, I think I knew that. Yeah. So how about so that? This is personal is what stuff. you're saying. This game's personal. <laughs> it is. It's gonna be brutal over that over it's just gonna be brutal over that alone. All right buddy roll tide. Roll tide.